Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, okay, better wake up if I'm here. Here I am, kind of, sort of. Uh, it'd be uh, a Tuesday, and that means uh, my sister Susan will be spelling me a bit, and that's good. Hi, Suze. Hi. Well, I don't know what you're counting on, but I'll do my best. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm fighting a nasty sore throat again. I don't know what the hell this is. Every Tuesday, I get uh, I, I I feel ill. <laughs> so, uh, I well, know. I seem to I I seem to have given everybody whatever I had for uh, yeah Thanksgiving. For Thanksgiving. Wonderful. Well, yeah. I I have not gotten that, thank God. But I'm I'm not feel, I'm not feeling well. Dang. I'm well, sorry. let's do it anyway. It's, I'm, I am capable. Okay. I am capable of some thought and uh, some speech. Um, okay, before we get into any of the heavy stuff, and there's plenty of it, uh, let, us, um, let us speak of the grotesquerie of those frightening red Christmas trees in the White House. Oh, my God. That was scary. And what I is think that? it's funny that I th- I thought it was I I mean I I guess people are calling them bloody and blood. The first thing I thought of when I looked at the rest red Christmas trees was homage to Putin. Well, that's true. They just yeah, right. <laughs> they just looked Putin. Russian to me. But first of all, they're ugly. Second of all, they're really there's ugly. something spooky and scary about them. There's nothing I mean, they're not decorated. They're just these blood red Ugly trees um, all down the hall on both sides. If if you haven't seen them, uh, guys, take a look. This. So what they've here's what the White House said about them. Uh, The color red. (laughs) The choice of red is an extension of the stripes found in the presidential seal designed by our founding fathers. It is a symbol of valor and bravery. Okay, that's their explanation. What the hell does valor and bravery have to do with Christmas? What does uh, valor and bravery and the presidential seal, and who the hell knows that there are stripes that you would pick up in the presidential seal. I'm trying to think of the seal. And I'm also wondering, yeah, I mean, I, did they design it? It, think, it says designed by our founding fathers. You I mean, don't what? think so. I don't think any of that is correct. <laughs> but, but I mean, when they were, I mean, they had a lot of work to do, the founding fathers. I mean, they were well, fighting and, a war. And, and I'd like and, to point and, out, you know, I'd like to point out that I understand that Christians are under siege these days. But Hanukkah comes first. I mean, they could have worked in one nice, happy Hanukkah. And there's none. That is true. No. There is none. There, it's like right. we're back to this is a Christian country. Right. And the rest of us need not be counted. Yeah, but and he, I mean that's really a step back. They used to they in you yeah. know, they've been trying to be more inclusive. Right, right. But even I mean Christians must look at those blood red, disgusting trees and think I mean it really looks like something you'd put in some nightmare scenario after a you know after some bloodbath right even the trees were, were covered blood. in blood right. that's what it looks like and uh apparently and then there's always those merry christmas christmas pencils making wreaths saying be great again or whatever they say no i think they're her <laughs> no they're they're her thing so it 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 says what's her thing it's uh, grammatically incorrect, but what is it? Be better or be, what is it? Be best or something. Yeah, be best, I think. Um, it is, yes, Melania Trump's be best logo, making up wreaths with uh, pencils. Sarah Silverman said it looked like an exploding asshole. Um, <laughs> or something like that, I don't know. <laughs> That's just wishful thinking. <laughs> but... It is as ugly as anything I've ever seen. And apparently Melania, like her husband, 
really doesn't like to do the job. And the job, uh, according to all other first ladies before her, is that you do this, you know, tour of the White House Christmas uh, decorations. Right. And Even she, if you're going to leave us all out, at least yeah, do, do the it. part you're doing right. Right. And she refused to do it. And instead, uh, they released uh, about a 50-minute, 50 50-second 50 um, video of uh, Melania, strangely with her with a coat draped over her shoulders, uh, sort of wandering through the uh, the displays. She was looking for the exit. What? <laughs> <laughs> God. What? Those ah. were the security cameras. They caught Melania looking for the exit. That's why she had her coat and boots on. She was making a run for it. But, like... How could they say the founding? I want to know who who made the the this presidential seal and when it came into existence. And which I mean, came first, the flag or the seal? I don't know. And in terms of the priorities of those uh, guys who were again fighting a war and trying to found a nation on principles that had never a nation had never been founded on before. And, you know, bickering among themselves and uh, worrying that they were going to be hung. I mean, all of this stuff. And and then they said uh, to one of them, uh, hey, you, uh, we need a presidential seal. Come on. Make sure it has lots of red in it. (laughs) Well, I don't think it does. What the hell? No, when I think of the presidential seal, I think of gold. You do? I just think of a mishmash. I think there's I an, eagle an eagle in there. In a there's an eagle in a circle, and then there's something, some kind of a cross shape, um, I think. But what the hell do I know? Anyway, so um, the headline in, I think, the Washington Post is, Melania Trump didn't show up to explain her spooky Christmas decorations. So <laughs> what about those red trees? That's the that's the headline. Uh, God. They're just, they don't even look, what did they do? Dip them in red dye, some carcinogen, right? Red dye number uh, 12 or something. Yeah, who, that probably they sprayed them with, uh, with uh, red flax, whatever that is. Oh, God. Well, so, so plastic, most okay. likely. Well, so anyway, there it is. And um, it's like every... But, you know, I really would like to point out that, I mean, even if they are doing that red for valor and fighting and all that stuff... What does that have to do with Christmas? Guys, these guys died so that we didn't have one state religion, so that everybody lived here equally and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's what they're fighting for, not to make this a Christian nation, by the way. Well, if you... I, uh, you're right. Yeah, but listen, as long as we're talking about cheerful things, I'd like to bring out, I'd like to point out that every once in a while, the good guys win a lawsuit. Okay. And so, in the continuing legal battle between the good Shafleys and the bad Shafleys, the good Shafleys just won. <laughs> okay, well, explain. We're talking about Phyllis okay. Schlafly's We're talking family. about Phyllis Schlafly, um, who is now deceased. Uh, but her side of the family, her nephew, um, or her son, um, sued uh, a Shafley from another branch that founded Shafley Brewery, and which is very successful brewery and has been producing now beer for over 20 years under the name Shafley. And then when they moved to copyright their name, Shafley Beer, Phyllis and nephew stepped in to say, that's our name, you can't do it. And they've been suing and suing and suing, and Phyllis at all lost the to to uh, the cool nephew that started the brewery. <laughs> okay, and well, whose so politics are totally different. All right, but God, I mean, Susan cares about this hor- horrible woman because uh, her mother. She was in my law school class. Well, I thought, and I had a. Your mother-in-law. She was I in my law school class. She was in her 40s, and she would sit there and make sounds that made it very clear that she didn't think any of the rest of us, I think maybe eight girls, 
belonged there. But she only did. she belonged there. Right. She didn't think women should be doing that except her. Except um, her. And okay. so I had to sit in class with her every day, and let me tell you, it wasn't pleasant. Uh, Laura, getting back to the presidential seal, first of all, Paul sent me a picture of it, and Laura said the first documented uh, work on the design was in 1850. <laughs> so, okay, so that's not the founding fathers. Uh, no, it was in fact uh, during uh, President Millard Fillmore's uh, term. And he actually did sketch a drawing. So we have Millard Fillmore to thank. What else did he do? Anything? He did uh, sketch a drawing of an eagle with its wings inverted, with its wingtips pointed down, holding an olive branch in one claw and uh, arrows in the other. Um, and in fact, that is what... The eagle looks really pissed off, by the way. Um, I'm looking at the seal, and it's... No, he always... The eagle has a very angry look on his face. All right, so it's an angry eagle, and he's holding a... Or there's a banner behind him, E Pluribus Unum, and there look to be, like, pearls above him, which is weird, and there's stars all over the place, and um, the only red... <laughs> is on like a breastplate on the eagle, and there's red stripes on it. So that's where, because Millard Fillmore had red stripes, a little bit of red on this seal, we've got these horrific uh, red blood-drenched Christmas trees. Just saying. I mean, there's no way it would have been an eagle if the Founding Fathers had done it because they, I mean, they, they, they hadn't even chosen the eagle. Ben Franklin was on to, you know, wanted the turkey. Right? Right. <laughs> as far as I, that's what I learned in school. Um, we have a caller. Hello? Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi. Poor Melania. She was trying to make it like an art installation where you walk through, and, you know, you know, um, she has no very idea. understanding of you. <laughs> I got to tell you, no idea. Wait, Mike, somebody just sent me, Chris just sent me uh, what somebody put up on Twitter. It is a riot. It shows Melania walking wistfully through the, right, uh, that's what I just saw. Right, the hallway right. with the red trees on either side of her. And they juxtaposed that with a picture of a car um, going through a um, car wash with the, <laughs> the, these big red, they look exactly like, you know, red brushes on either side of the car, you know, <laughs> do, doing it. It looks exactly like the same thing. So it looks like, yeah, a car wash. It's beautiful. You have to see it. Yeah. And it is funny. Oh, dear. But kudos to the White House staff to only give her the hallway. They didn't even give her a room. Um, it's, well, I mean, there are. There are, there are she walks, wanders around in other rooms in the White House. That's where you see right. the, the exploding asshole. Right, like they're only in a hallway. Oh, yeah, they are. They're only in a hallway. Right. So they're, every other room is already decorated, and she wanted to plant her plant her aesthetic view on the White House, and they said, here's the hallway, lady. Go to it. it, it it's, it's more than a hallway, I believe. It is a, um, a colonnade. It is the East Colonnade. There you have it. Uh, oh, my God. Well, all right. Is that is that is that your uh, that's your contribution? That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. And to say that, and to say that, if you wanted to look at those red trees, yeah, you would have had to call your congressman in July, oh, God. in order to see them. To make an I appointment to get into the White House. Yeah, to get a ticket into the White House. Yeah, because it's not the people's house anymore. Uh -huh. You have to call your congressman. And because I tried last year with the last year of Obama, because I thought it's going to be a while before I can get in there. And my congressman said, uh, his office said, oh, yeah, try next year in July. 
because tickets are all gone. They're gone probably by September. Wow, people think ahead, unlike me. I can't imagine. No place for spontaneity in D.C. Nope. Nope. Uh, all right. But well, it's free. But it's free. Okay. <laughs> Mike, I'm so sorry you missed seeing this. It's free, yet sold out. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, isn't it? All right. Well, they just have a... Bye. Okay, bye. Uh, all right. Oh, so, okay. I guess we can't beat the red trees anymore. That's that's enough, right? No. Okay, well, I, I just want to um, point out two op-ed pieces in today's New York Times that that both essentially say the same thing, and that is that Republicans are just horrible human beings. <laughs> It's just really, that is the conclusion that both Michelle Goldberg and Paul Krugman come to. And in fact, Michelle Goldberg's, uh, the the title of her, her op-ed is, Maybe They're Just Bad People. <laughs> and she goes, it, she goes into a, a, a long, long thing about what kind of people are, are these that aid and abet this horror of a human. And and I'll just give you a few things that she says. Trump is unique as a magnet for grifters, climbers, and self-promoters, in part, she says, because decent people won't associate with him. And then she posits this, which I think is is probably true. With the exception of national security professionals who are sticking around to stop Trump from blowing up the world, there are two kinds of people in the president's orbit, the immoral and the amoral. Yeah. And I, I, there it is. And she says, and people of almost incomprehensible insincerity... So she points out that to keep expecting any of these people to uh, feel shame <laughs> or remorse is absurd, because she said they might as all be they might as all be wearing that doesn't sound right they might all be wearing as oh damn what is it they might as well all be wearing there I got it straight. They might as well all be wearing jackets saying, I really don't care. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> there it is. I actually excused her on that one. Uh, I, I put that down to English as a fourth or fifth language, no. and she just viewed it as graphic art no, without she, reading Susan, it. Susan, she's an asshole, okay? Again. She, oh, okay. Really? I always thought it was because of the, I mean, you might just be reacting to that pleasant expression on her face. She's awful. She's just <laughs> awful. Anyone who, she made a deal with the devil and she's awful. Yeah, she's awful and with breast implants. Yeah. So then she points out about, Goldberg points out about Lindsey Graham. Uh, she said he, uh, he has actually justified his uh, sycophantic uh, relationship with Trump by saying this. Listen to this. If you knew anything about me, I want to be relevant. And so she says, ah, well, there it is. Some people, like Lindsey Graham, would rather be on the wrong side than on the out. They keep their face in Well, the than on the out side. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. says, they're just awful humans. And she says the only sincere ones are just sincerely horrors, like Steve Bannon really believes what he believes, and Stephen Miller. They're true. They are sincere. Sincerely evil people. Right? Yeah, I'm, that's how I think. Well, that's how I think as well. We have a call. Hello, caller. 
Hi, Lynn. It's Mary from Stanton Heights. How are you? I'm fine, Mary. I just wanted to say Melania sucks. <laughs> okay, well, that's, you know, that's, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, I, people I agree act with you. like a oh, poor Melania. She, you know, stumbled into this marriage and now she's in the White House and she doesn't want to be here, be there. But, you know, he, she showed her true colors with that whole little dust up with that assistant whatever she is that got fired because yeah melani didn't like where she sat her people on the plane or something who knows i mean look how i mean she has a great sense of entitlement that's all i can say i mean i just feel like you know the way she walks around and everything you know she married him and i don't know she might have felt that way before maybe you know she was she was a big model and I guess her father was something. Over no, there in no, she didn't come from anybody of importance, and I don't even think she was no. a big model. No, she no, she modeled, but she wasn't a big model. No, no. no. So she's a. She did that. She what? did some of that naked stuff. Well, he picked her out of somewhere. I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> out well. of obscurity somehow. Yeah. Well, she yeah. Was he picked her out of the Trump modeling. Um, uh. he, she worked at Trump. Modeling and Trump modeling was actually pretty infamous for breaking all the immigration rules as long as they were bringing wow. in pretty women. And you wonder what he was, you know, it begins to sound a little bit like a uh, front for a house of ill repute. Did wow. I didn't know he had a model. There was a Trump modeling. Why, where are all of our reporters? I mean, why aren't they investigating? Oh, well, we got because they well, got. No, he had a Trump modeling agent. I didn't know that. They us. got more yeah, I important. Know, but maybe she isn't here legally then. Well, no, that's been that's been suggested many for a times. long time. Yeah, that's been suggested yeah. many times. Well, let's that dig into did, it. That she did come in illegally. It got straightened out eventually. And that, you know, all of this, uh, you know, and now her parents yeah. get in because she's in and all the stuff that he doesn't yeah, want other people migration. to get. That's yeah, right. right. And Right, exactly. All right, Mary. Thank you. All right, well, thank you. I appreciate your uh, call. Thank you. You know, I would like to point out that under the new Trump rules, grandparents are not close enough relatives to get in. All right. He's wonderful. Just wonderful. Laura just looked at the trees. She hadn't seen them. She's, and she's stunned. What Americans should be asking is how much that shit cost us. Those are the ugliest trees. I just looked at them. What is wrong with using items from storage year to year like the rest of us? <laughs> well, the economy is doing so well. I mean, the auto industry is flourishing. Um, 15,000 people are not losing their job on Christmas because the metal tariffs, uh, the steel tariffs that uh, some president, not Obama, put on. Yeah. Uh, you, you, know, you know, though, did you see, though, Susan? that uh, GM stock, oh, the, GM yeah, stock right. skyrocketed because there's nothing that the rich love more than when uh, working stiffs get thrown out of uh, Yeah, when you don't have to Christmas. pay any employees. You fired workers? Yeah. I'll buy some stock. I'm buying stock. Way to go. Yeah, I remember the first time that I noticed that. I mean, it was a million years ago now. That some terrible tragedy, you know, where a whole bunch of Americans lost their jobs, and the stock market went sky high, and that's when I knew. That's when I first saw. Oh my God, this whole thing is just pure depravity. And speaking of depravity, we get to Paul Krugman's column, where he talks about the Republicans as climate deniers, because they are. He says, really hard to be in any leadership position in the Republican Party now and um, accept that climate change is real and needs to be dealt with. Think about that. An entire... Well, I mean, just the ridiculous picture of the president accepting the report from his own administration and then saying and i don't saying, believe yeah, it. i don't believe it i don't believe that's it. that's the wrong answer come back and give me the right answer right so krugman points out that these people again are just horrible human beings because he says come on 
most of these people, the vast majority, are not good faith climate change deniers. Um, he says, <coughs> if, <coughs> if somebody opposed climate action out of a real good faith disagreement with the science, that would be a shame, but it would not be a travesty. But he says these people, there's nothing sincere about it. They've come to their position because they care about profit. They care about money. Almost every they care about they care about short-term gains, and they don't care about the long-term. And I mean, he actually says, "Don't any of these people have children?" I mean, really, don't what, what the hell? Or grandchildren, more importantly. Well, yeah. Um, and he says what they're doing is absolutely like what the big tobacco did. Uh, in the 1950s, the people making cigarettes knew damn well they caused cancer, and they still blithely went trying to hook more and more Americans on it and also paying scientists to come up with a bunch of crap studies that said that their product was not, in fact, killing people. Um, and he said that's what's happening with this, and it's mostly by, because of the fossil fuel industry is now doing. Right. But he says this is so much worse than big tobacco because we're talking now about literally the destruction you know tobacco was just killing well, with was killing tobacco, people. The, the, the victim had to cooperate but with this sort of stuff we're just we're all victims and we don't have a choice it's nothing that we're doing they're just ruining it for us and it's very different from tobacco companies well and also except uh, in its cynicism yes but also um my head. I'm sorry. I had a thought and it just went away. Um, he says, no, but Susan, I don't know that you could say, that's what I was thinking. They actively, Big Tobacco actively tried to... Distorted. No, hook. Yeah, they distorted. No, hook. They addicted people. They they knew they were addicting them to this Yeah, product. I remember. That I was one of them. them. Yeah, well, me too. <laughs> So, he says it's flat-out depravity on a scale that makes what the big tobacco uh, denial seem trivial. Yeah, smoking p kills people, but climate change isn't just going to kill people. It may well kill civilization. Trying to confuse the public about that is evil on a whole different level. Um, and he said, Republicans don't just have bad ideas. At this point, they are bad people. Yeah. Well, I... I, I, I wish I didn't totally agree. But yes, I think they, that anybody that is still standing behind this guy, making apologies for this guy, is, is bad, is evil is purposefully refusing to see what's in front of their face for God knows what reason. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Milton has sent me the answer to how Melania became an American. It's as awful as you can imagine. She actually got in on a EB1 visa. It's uh, nicknamed the Einstein visa. Right. <laughs> and... In theory, it is reserved for people who are highly acclaimed in their field, and the government itself explaining what the Einstein visa is, who, who would get the EB-1 says, you know, somebody who's won a Pulitzer Prize or an Oscar or Olympics winners. Or a medical researcher, uh, yeah, right, right, and right. instead, Trump's been using him for, mm -hmm. to get the Mar-a-Lago um, uh, weight No, staff. no, he doesn't use the EB-1 for that. But he oh yeah is, he did <clears throat> I, look it up look it up uh, no thanks I'm not going to because I think there's other no. things he can use that for I there mean, were a lot no there was a lot of weird stuff EB1 going on. 
So she began applying for a visa in 2000 uh, when she was a model working in New York and dating Donald Trump. And she got approved in 2001, and she was just one of five people from Slovenia to win a coveted EB-1 visa in that year. And then she became a citizen five years later, and that gave her the right to sponsor her parents, who uh, have been here and are now that chain migration apply, thing, yeah. applying for citizenship. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, it, it, what it tells us is that his problem with immigration is brown people and black people. Pretty white people. No, what, what it tells you is that the rules are for everybody else, not him. Well, never, of course. Right. Oh, God. Okay, speaking of uh, immigrants, tear gassing uh, the people uh, in Mexico at the border. Um, Women and barefoot children. Right. Um, do you know that... A.K.A. criminals. The gas they used on, the tear gas they used on those children... Is and illegal in war? Yes. It is illegal in war. The United States has signed on to that. In fact, outlawed on the battlefield <coughs> by nearly every nation on earth. Now, let's stop and think we'll about that. <laughs> we'll use it on our own to break up a, a, a demonstration. We'll use it on children if we feel like it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It is, it, it is only legal to use in the United States as a riot control agent. But it is illegal on the battlefield. Um unbelievable here's yeah. something here's something uh, that is pointed out um, about how they show um, recruits military recruits uh, why tear gas is not to be used uh, says here nearly military recruits enter the chamber one by one and don protective masks tear gas swirls and then they are ordered, take off your mask. And they, men and women training for war, it says, their eyes well, their throats tighten, and they uncontrollably gag, many vomit. And this awful exercise is used to demonstrate to troops that their equipment works. It also shows in a visceral way what happens um, if you get hit with CS gas. Outlawed on the battlefield by almost every nation on earth. But we will send it toward women and children. Wow. By the way, research has noted that an infant exposed to this gas can develop severe pneumo lung infections requiring hospitalization but there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of studies done obviously on um children being subjected to tear gas because you know you're not going to ask you know you're not going to have kids uh put in that position but um I don't know. It's amazing. These children were... No, it's just... And the fact that every... And, you know, it's one thing... I mean, it's that there are so many people in this country that are willing to stand behind this. I mean, I can, I can deal with the fact that there's, that there's this horrible one person that somehow got to this place of power. What I can't deal with is the millions of people that approve... Yeah. Well, those are the people that scare the hell out of me, too. More than anything. There's nothing 
that Trump and his administration can do that will um, upset them. Although, although his latest approval rating is now in the 30s, right? He's down to like, what was it, 30, is it 39? Um, if he keeps dropping like that, we could, we could really get ourselves way, 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 way down. We got an, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Most Americans find him appalling. And, and that's a fact. And Roger points out, and this is true, and I agree, calling all Republicans evil will get us nowhere. That's true. That's true. As far as where, but I, but I have to, I have to feel like the people that still identify as Republicans are beginning to be evil. I mean, when do you cross over to be evil if you approve of all things evil and you won't lift a finger to protest? I think most of the people that I used to, that I know as Republicans, do not identify that way anymore. They feel that they were thrown out. Stop and think, too, that all these unemployed auto workers, you know, I drive by every time I drive to um, Ann Arbor to our brother's house, I drive by that uh, GM plant in Lordstown. Um, And it's huge and that whole area depends on on that so all these people these are the people that overwhelmingly voted for Donald Trump because he promised them that he was going to secure their jobs and create even more and maybe uh at some point these these Trump voters those Trump voters who used to make cruise Cruise GM Cruise cars um, will turn on him too, and we'll see that he's just full of hot air and doesn't produce what he says he will. I don't know. This can't help him. It can't help him. No. Well, I hope so. Well, I hope so too. But I mean, you know, every time, every time. We lefties say, oh, well, this will do it, or this can't help them. Or, no, it just doesn't even cause a blip on the radar. I know. Me. I know. Damn. So, normally... Well, we, here's we, what we have to do. We have to do... Yesterday, I uh, spent the afternoon with our mother um, in a at a senior citizen's uh, community center no. where they have duplicate bridge and we were playing duplicate bridge and I was talking to you never know you know you don't know these people you get to know them and I'm playing bridge with a guy who turns out went to Miami to register black voters he just he said do you know how many felons there are that now can vote in Miami I'm going to go get some and he went down there and he got them all ready. He just was registering people right and left and getting them to be, you know, and telling them that they could now vote. They were all very excited. And I thought, you know, God bless the people that actually get off their asses and do something. Yeah, that's that's cool. And more and more people. It's really cool. More it's and more really people cool. are just, doing that. I yeah. mean, that is one thing Trump has done that is positive. He has lit a fire under uh, an awful lot of people who have never before been active. And even some of those people ha- are now holding, you know, ran for office and um, are, are now going to be uh, replacing the people that they found uh, so abhorrent. Um, did you see that this horrible woman, Tommy Loren, or Lauren, do you know who she is? She's an yeah. NR- NRA babe and a uh, she's she is just like the most evil person in the world um she said that seeing the tear gas being used on uh those uh, asylum seekers was she tweeted this was the highlight well here i'll read it bum rushing the border is a choice and has consequences 
Watching the USA finally defend our borders was the highlight of my Thanksgiving weekend. Can you imagine? Now, no. that's not evil? That's, that's evil. That's not an evil person? Um, well, you know, the good news was that gun sales were down... 10% as, uh, as uh, proven by the number of background checks that went out right. over, uh, on Thanksgiving right. over the, pre- the prior year. Right. And I, when I was reading that, I was thinking, yeah, because nothing says Thanksgiving like Getting buying a gun. gun. I know. Um, so apparently, um, yeah, Trump won, uh, as we know, Ohio, and uh, he won Lordstown, <coughs> where the factory is. Um, and he famously said uh, to uh, all these people, don't sell your house. <laughs> these jobs are coming back. Um, and 40% of the local union people did vote for him. <coughs> but... They got nothing. Well, here's the thing. Anyone that thinks that a, you can make a, a industry survive by executive comment I know. <laughs> or edict, you know, uh, please. Incredible. Just because he said he was going to bring your manufacturing jobs back doesn't change reality. And the reality is those jobs aren't ever coming back. The world moved beyond those jobs. Well, he even told people that coal. I mean, he said coal's coming back. That's another reason you have to be a, a climate denier, because the only way we start to battle uh, what is happening is by stopping using coal. So, Well, and the reason, and the, honestly, let's be clear. The reason that none of those cars are selling that um, that GM is throwing out is because all of the barriers that we put in place to protect the environment and decrease the use of gas-guzzling trucks and, and SUVs have been, yeah. Were disappeared. Right. And that so, is true. So, so people did. So we killed those jobs right. because we were more interested in selling SUVs than in protecting our environment. I mean, there were reasons why we were doing these things. They were to protect the environment. So now we are not protecting the environment. We have 80-year-old guys in California in Palm Springs driving around in 40-ton pickup trucks because we all know that they need them to transport their wives to the beauty parlor. You know, there we do things... We tax things, we create rules and laws in this country to influence social behavior for the good. And what you are seeing with GM is the removal of those things and the result, the loss of jobs and the killing of the environment. Also the price of gas. I hope you're all happy. Drive your trucks, drive your SUVs. Yeah. Oh, dear. I mean, if you aren't a working guy that needs that truck, you don't belong in one. I'm sorry. I think people buy them because they feel safer in them because they're bigger. I think that's what it's about. I don't know. Well, I'm sure they do because I'm usually stuck behind them and I can't see anything. And if I'm trying to pull up next to one of those people in a Suburban or in a truck and they're to my left and I'm trying to get around them. Why are they always pulling forward so I can't even see around them? <laughs> you ever notice that? Uh, no. Oh, God. I am annoyed Drives by them. I can nuts. never find my car in parking lots because it's just like hidden in between these huge monstrous these things. These great big cars. Yeah. Right. You have to go looking for the little car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, uh, obituary of the day. Uh, Bernardo Bertolucci. Yeah. Uh, Italian director. That was Last Tango in Paris, right? That was Last Tango in Paris, but it was also... So that was the director that had 
Marlon Brando actually rape a woman on camera so that we could uh, really viscerally get it. Anally rape a 19 year So let's celebrate that death, shall we? Okay, so that, for those of you who have not seen Last Tango, by the way, it you know what, it's, um, its rating was X. It had an X rating. Yep. And that got it, of course, <coughs> tons of publicity. It was on. The well, that sent, that sent our mother and our brother off to see yeah, it together. Yeah, Bi- Bill and my mom <laughs> went off to see it. And uh, the first night, and uh, the local television stations were were out in force to cover this outrage because it had been, you know, viewed as obscene and pornographic by some. And um, just so you know, uh, in it, Marlon Brando plays this washed-up, middle-aged uh, jerk who has a, a sexual relationship with this very young French woman. And uh, at the time, the, the woman who played, was she was 19 years old. Her name was Maria Schneider. And the scene in question... Uh, where Brando uses um, butter, a stick of butter, to lubricate her so that he could anally rape her. And here is, nobody knew that that, this came out much later. And um, it came out in 2013 because Maria Schneider asked about that scene said that she was uh, traumatized by it and had no idea what was about to happen to her. And Bertolucci absolutely uh, admitted that he said this. He wanted, this is a quote, I wanted Maria to feel, not to act. I wanted her to feel the rage and the humiliation. So he pulls Brando aside and tells him to just essentially rape her while the camera camera ran. Um, she, by the way, is she she's dead. She she did not have a good life after. That. I'm not saying that that's why, but um, so my brother and my mother did go, and my mother was actually interviewed by a local TV reporter um, <clears throat> and was asked what she thought about that scene. What about this scene? It was already known that there was this rape, very graphic rape. Uh, with a, you know, using a stick of butter, and my mother's famous response, which I believe aired, I'm not, I, I think she got herself on TV. She said, "Well, I think it's great promotion for the dairy industry." <laughs> and um, that would be, uh, yeah, something I guess you might say and in Wisconsin, the dairy state. Right, but, when um, looking at a breast. It was, by the way, another thing, uh, Last Tango not only received an X rating, but, I mean, it won a, it, 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 it earned a ton of money. Everybody went to see this, this movie. But in Italy, it was, uh, it resulted in an obscenity trial for uh, Bertolucci. And um, the Italian Supreme Court ordered all copies of the movie destroyed. And they handed Bertolucci a four-month suspended sentence. Well, you know what? They were right. Oh, God. I mean, we were all watching something that we didn't know that we were actually watching. And when you find out what you're watching, I mean, it's like, you know, do, do, do any of us willingly go to snuff films? 
Right. Why would we go and see a woman being anally raped? Because we thought she was acting. Yeah, because we thought she was acting, right. I am so tired. You know, I used to get so angry when back in the day when my husband and I would go to movies that he wanted to see. And two-thirds of them were just these these expressions of male expectations of what they should get out of women sexually while giving absolutely nothing but reprehensible behavior back to the woman. Yeah, I guess that, yeah, I think that that is. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, all of these movies about, you know, like the alcoholic that uh, falls in love with the absolutely spectacularly beautiful prostitute and, and dies in her arms at the end of the movie. I'm going, what sort of nonsense is this? I mean, it's just... I don't know what movie you're talking about. Well, I can't remember the name of the movie, but I used to walk out of more of these movies going, I don't know, these men that think that, that put all their fantasies out there, you think they, should, they would just be embarrassed. Well, when Last Tango uh, premiered, um, uh, and it, it was 1972, by the way, uh, it, you know, it did. It was just, it was everywhere. It was, uh, you know, co- it was being covered because it was so, it, it was pushing in a direction that no one had ever uh, gone before. Um, and Pauline Kale. It Kale's, didn't push, it stepped right over the line. Pauline Kale, the uh, famous uh, film critic, said it is the most powerfully erotic movie ever made. But other women critics disagreed. Judith Christ said it is, um, you know, she said this belongs clearly in what Susan's referring to, the male chauvinist tradition of filmmaking. And um, also a a woman uh, reviewing it for the New York Times said it is the perfect macho soap opera. Again, because it was it is from a man. It, it, it the woman is peripheral. The woman is nothing but an object in this movie. Right? Right. And what they did to her to get what they wanted was simply well, of course. Right. Right. He also did uh, the the what was the one of those? the Last Emperor, which I think didn't that win the Academy Award? Was a good, that was a good movie. <laughs> I thought so too. And there's another one that he did, which was very good, uh, called The Conformist. Um, but whatever, whatever. Bernardo Bertolucci, who actually had a young woman raped on the set. So that it was real. Well, now, let let me point out that that sort of directing, um, when not taken to quite this extreme, is not unusual. So, for example, when Paul Newman was in a Broadway show being directed by someone I don't know, but he was... Uh, his character needed to be on the outs with everybody else. The director took everybody else out, uh, you know, and spoke to them all without Newman knowing it and, you know, told them that he wanted them to treat Newman like that all the time. Even when they were not rehearsing or acting. That that he needed that to get that reaction out of of Newman, and, and that's what they did. Well, I think and some, actually, some actors, though, actually do that themselves. You know, they well, they do. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was uh, it was what my husband ended up writing a lot of papers about that uh, what happened on the stage between actors and directors was really sort of applied psychoanalysis. You could watch all of the theories of psychoanalysis how it happen in the relationships between directors. And um, and uh, and actors and in, in between actors, it was very interesting. You know, if we didn't live in these Trumpian times, you know what the big story today would be—the fact that a uh, 
a Chinese scientist has said that he has produced the world's first genetically modified babies. Right. He made the maids resist. resist. Yeah, which seems like a good thing to do, but he crossed a line. That's not the point. That's, That's right. Point. He crossed a line, and uh, the thing is, these lines will always be crossed, because once something is possible, the idea that somehow laws or rules will keep it from uh, you know, being used is absurd. Once it's there, it's it's there, and so now well, listen, half a, of our <laughs> half of our movies are about evil genius gone wrong. Well, okay, so he did something that you could say is good. He took uh, twin girls, um, and well, wait a minute. Let's be clear. He claims he did it. There's actually no evidence or proof, and he hasn't offered any. Okay, but so, he, here's the other thing. He apparently is known to be a very good scientist. I mean, he's, he's good at what he does, so probably, I'm, my guess is he, uh, he did it. And this is, what he did is against the law in the United States and most of the world. But um, China appears to be playing fast and loose with this kind of um, gene editing because think of what it can do. I mean, I keep saying that humanity will become sort of like cyborgs, but we can also now, we're getting close to being able to alter humanity uh, so that the only children that will be born might just be warrior children or worker children or science children. You know what I mean? We can just create the people we want and uh, and not have... They'll be manufactured, essentially, if you want to get into science fiction, which is perfectly plausible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ay-yay-yay-yay-yay. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, the the argument, you know, started out as it was just the first step towards the creation of the master race, you know. But That's you, right. you take it further, and yeah, we're just cyborgs. Right. So you don't, you know, obviously if you can tinker around and make sure that uh, a child will not get certain diseases and, and uh, you know, make them all a, a good height and... Uh, and resistant to this and that, and I mean, yeah, you just start. And creating. we'll all be blonde, and we'll all be blue-eyed, yeah, and yeah. we can, and we'll only have boys, or we'll only have girls. I mean, it just well, it's a these things usually tend to end up badly. Well, it's not boys they'd want because I, Bill and I were talking. Uh, uh, you uh, only uh, need one boy. They you need only women. need one boy, and stop and think about you know, um, you need one rooster right? It's the female of the animal that is the necessary uh, one. Right. So this and by the way, if you're raising chickens, you don't even need one rooster. They'll make the eggs anyway, and the roosters just make a lot of noise and cause problems, so you don't even <laughs> want one. <laughs> yeah, so I got to tell you, I don't think the future looks good for it, it, for males, because they don't, probably not for females either, because we'll be able to just make babies in well i then i suggest that those men make themselves more winsome and attractive to women <laughs> so that we'll want to keep them around like they've been making us do for the oh our ever yeah really there was a story i read today about this l robots being used in nursing homes in uh, france and um they're used to you know make the Poor people with dementia feel better, and the ever, the early the early uh, accounts are saying that they they these older people just love having these companions. They and that's that's what our old age is going to look like. We're going to have like these little robots that that stay with us. There was a picture of one old woman looking out the window, and the robot was right there looking with her and another where they're holding hands and they say that the people like they 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 just love these robots they care they're small they they're like a child size so they hold them and they 
they kiss them. They on do their that heads. with pretend with robot dogs too. And yeah. I'm going, why don't you just have a real dog? Well, because the robot is cleaner and um, easier to control. You don't have to feed it. You don't have to take care of it. Right, know? right. And you just have to charge its batteries. But it, right. it, it, So it, we're going to substitute real affection for pretend affection. I mean, you know, something sort of... Yeah, not right? Not right. There's something sort of, we don't have time for you old folks. We're just going to send in a machine to uh, make you feel better. Oh, yeah. Well, Susan... I- I I was hoping I was so depressing yesterday. I was hoping not to be depressing today, but I don't think I succeeded. Other than Melania, well, we want to thank Melania for her red Christmas trees because that that's the only thing that gave us a little relief. I think maybe maybe. Yeah, I mean you know, and <laughs> twenty years ago we would have called those red Christmas trees Melania's menstrual anger. You know. Jeez. On that note. <laughs> On that note, we shall evacuate. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay, Suze. It's fine. Fell it's out good. of my mouth. Uh, it's quite all right. That's why we okay. love you. Okay, and I, I I'm going to go home and get in bed <laughs> myself. Okay, bye. Don't okay. get sick. Bye. I sure hope not. Bye, guys. Thank you. Um, bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.